I'll get. A, I'll do a quick little intro. <laughs> that was that was beautiful. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we're here for a very special night to celebrate Cowboy Steve. I'm joined here by my good friend Taylor Wagnerowski and um, some amazing human beings. Three fifths of the band Brawley here serenading us. We have some other amazing musical guests coming up. Some friends and family. So. Thank you for tuning in, and we're going to just keep getting into some beautiful music here. So enjoy.
If you're looking for a guy who will break down and cry every time you threaten with goodbye, don't look at me. If you want a guy to plead, get down on a bend and knee and beg you, baby, not to leave. Don't look at me. So just to hear what I say and keep a looking away, 'cause it's the best thing that you can do. 'Cause if you look at me, I'll have to look at you, then I'll most likely do anything you want me to. If you wanna gotta fall down at your feet and crawl. At your beck and call, don't look at me. If you hope to find a fool like a kid right out of school who'll adore you even though you're treated cruel, don't look at me. So just to hear what I say and keep on looking away, 'cause it's the best thing that you can do. 'Cause if you look. Someone around just so you can put 'em down like your very own jester or clown. Don't look at me. If you're looking for someone who will jump up and run 'cause you're coming home and that you've had your fun, don't look at me. So just to hear what I say and keep on looking away 'cause it's the best thing that you can do. Cause if you look at me, I'll have to look at you, and I'll most likely do anything you want me to. Yeah, if you look at me, I'll have to look at you, and I'll most likely do anything you want me to. Anything you want me to.
If I could just see anyone inside to tell me this one's gonna last. Mm, is it gonna last? Is it gonna Going for the live fade there for a minute. I was gonna no. start. I was gonna start getting lower and lower, like yeah. <laughs> melting. Dave Allen says, "No, no fade ever."
Yeehaw. Ah, that was amazing, you guys. Thanks. That was awesome. Big thanks to Three Fifths of Brawley for coming and jamming. Um, we have some people on Zoom. They're clapping. They're clapping. They're stoked. Um, <clears throat> and we have Mike over here who wants to tell us um, an amazing story. So maybe we could turn it over to Mike, unless you have something to say to it. Nope. Take it away, Mike. Besides, thank you guys again so much yeah, for the amazing music. Thank you for having us. Yeah, such a, such a treat. Great. And I, me and I could listen to you all day long. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Angelic. Yeah, so, so music was always a big part of, of Steve's life. I call him Steve. Most people call him Cowboy <laughs> Steve, but he's just Steve to me. And uh, it started at a low point with Adam Ant, I think, was the first <laughs> musician. Well, then when it, then it, <laughs> and then I think it was the surf punks made it made its way to the Stray Cats. Anyway, at some point along the way, we thought, you know, we should probably learn how to make our own music, right? How hard can it be? So my roommate college taught me all three chords on the guitar, and we prescribed to the philosophy where you should have as many guitars as you know chords. So once we accumulated the requisite number of guitars, we figured, you know what, there might be more than just those three, and so we decided to take a, a music class. And we signed up at the uh, community college, and we show up, and it's a class of very mixed people, young and old. There's old gray-haired ladies in there. and the, But the teacher had a, a pretty good way of teaching music. He, he would ask everybody to bring in something they wanted to learn, right? And so every week he would take people's music and then he would make it easy for a, a group of beginners to figure out how to play. And so we did things like one... Uh, uh, What's the song from Wizard of Oz, Over the Rainbow? Oh, easy things like that. Yeah, yeah, easy <laughs> stuff like that. But he made it easy. He made it easy. So one day it's our turn to bring in music, right, for the class to learn. It was a class of 30 or 40 people. And uh, I was late coming from work. I didn't have a chance to, to do my homework, so I asked Steve to do it for me. And if he could bring along some music for me. And so he does, and the, uh, the teacher puts it in the cassette player for the whole class to hear, hits play, and all you hear is, right, thump, thump, thump. And it's Hank Williams' Collija, right? And it goes on for about a minute, and all you hear is this drum playing, and then Hank Williams starts singing, and then the teacher stops, and and says, well, I don't hear any guitar in that song. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. Just play 128 E minors or bang on your guitar. Right? <laughs> and so everybody in the class turns around and looks at us. We're, of course, in the back of the room staring at us, burning holes in us with our eyes like, you buffoons. What are you doing here? After the class, the uh, teacher recommended that maybe we should find a class that's more appropriate for us, right? So I had a pretty good academic career. That was my first and only F that I got. <laughs> um, so, so we did that. We took his advice, and it turned out at Bestowan Pizza in Cardiff, there was um, this great opportunity for $5. You could get pizza, 
a beer and music lessons from Banjo Bob Cox. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was Banjo awesome. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> and it was him and his wife. They were the ringleaders. And whoever showed up, you put in your five bucks and you get your beer and your pizza. He'd hand out sheet music to everybody and we'd all play along. Right. And this went on for months. And we weren't even the worst people in the class. There was a lot of beginners, right? But it was a blast. So then Bob's son was a musician, an actual musician, and uh, Bob arranged for a, him to, he built a studio for him, basically. And to break in the studio, he invited our band, which was called the Best of Wannabes, along <laughs> to do a recording. And so it was Steve and I and our friend Norm, and we show up and they put us in this little glass room, Right, and each group of people gets to their own little glass room, and uh, we all start playing. We weren't actually playing the same song at the same time, though. That was the problem. <laughs> we, so it was really, really bad. But we recorded this whole session. They tried to do the best they could with the the mixing and stuff, but it, it was really bad. Nonetheless, we, we took the cassettes, we made copies, we gave it to everybody we knew for Christmas. Right? <laughs> and the hilarious thing was about 80% of people's tape players that played that tape broke. It just no. jammed them and ruined them. And they blamed it on the music. It could have been the, you know, we bought the cheapest tapes you could buy. But they blamed it on the music that it destroyed That's their funny. tapes. And so that's how uh, Cowboy Steve's musical career got launched. And I guess the rest is history, as they say. That's awesome. That's funny. That's great. Yeah. Oh, man. That that's a really great story. The best of wannabes. The best of wannabes. I probably still I'm have I'm pretty sure we have one of those tapes around. we got to find it. You see if find a cassette player. My breaking cassette player. I still have one in the car I drive, so. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Mike. Lafferty's yeah. stories. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Cowboy was all about the music, and whether it was skating or skiing or out surfing, doing rock climbing, whatever he wanted, it was always about the music. And I remember when I first met him back in 1980, and K Rock was our soundtrack, and everything from the surf punks to Boingo Boingo to B-52s, that's what our music. And then he turned to the dark side. I think it was uh, I think it was Country Dick that made him go country after Stray Cats. And that was the beginning of his evolution rapidly into uh, Smith Ranch Boys and local guys and the Paladins. And then he went into the hard stuff, Hank Williams Jr. And then he's off under Merle Haggard. And that was that was the beginning. And the, the cowboy came along someplace in the middle of it. When we met him, we were still calling him M Cat from Morris the Cat, the cat food ads. And and then all of a sudden he's cowboy. And people ask me, how did he become cowboy? I'm like, well, he grabbed a hat and they called himself cowboy. And that, that was the start. So from then on, if you called him Steve, like Mike did, people were like, oh, you mean cowboy? We're like, yeah, he's got a couple of names, but I, that was the beginning. And music was so important to him. He'd tolerate some of our normal music every now and then for a couple of songs, put a little Van Halen in there to wake him up in the morning at mountain bike camp. But after that, we were on to Flathead or we we're on to something else. So I'll never forget the music choices that he had. And 
he'd make cassettes for us for every mountain bike camp and every skate camp. And he'd do them one by one old school. It would take him a couple of days and he'd make 40 plus tapes and he'd give them out to all of us. Like he just handed us like his, one of his first, uh, first puppies that he'd ever had. And, and if we didn't listen to all of them, he'd be like disappointed. He wouldn't get mad. He'd just get disappointed. You got to, you got to listen to all of it. You got to appreciate it. And now that was Steve. He was an advocate and uh, obviously lovable, lovable guy, but the music was just amazing. He introduced us to stuff we'd never find on our own. So I'll, I'll pass the mic on. That was beautiful. That was Thanks. amazing. Thanks, Thanks Jeffries. Thanks, awesome. Eric. Thank you. <laughs> um, just to go on that music theme with Steve, that um, for us, he was Steve and he was Uncle Steve before he was MCAT or Cowboy. But um, so he went on a lot of trips, rock climbing trips out to Joshua Tree, Easter out there, Thanksgiving in Joshua Tree, um, and bring his guitar. And when he was first learning the guitar, so we didn't know too many songs. <laughs> um, so we heard a lot of the same songs um, one time we were at Joshua Tree and um, it was blowing like crazy we got out there to go rock climbing and it was blowing 35 miles an hour so we were in the back of our pickup truck with a shell on Megan was about three years old so we're in the back of our pickup with two dogs Steve playing guitar and Chris and Megan and I listening to him and we did that for a couple hours before we went to the local McDonald's and played on their slides. <laughs> but um, he was always playing music with us. And that's where Silver Wings became our like lullaby for the kids. He would play Silver Wings to them um, whenever we were camping, when they went to bed, that was their lullaby. And it became what we would sing to them at home um, when we would sing them to bed. So he brought that to us and gave that song to us and, um, that'll always be really special. Yeah, a little addendum. <clears throat> when whenever you're with Steve, there's always something going on. It was so windy, we and cold. We were camping in a tent. We we went to this McDonald's just to get warm, and they had a playland area, and they had these slides where you kind of went down a tunnel. And Steve found that if you sat on one of their plastic boot trays. You would fly down the slide and shoot out the end so fast that you didn't have a chance to get your feet down. So you landed on your ass. We thought that was great fun. Yeah, Steve always had knew how to make everything fun, no matter what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, hiking. Yeah, what did he the, teach you? The, uh, downhill dirt, downhill whatever, yeah. downhill boogie or something. Downhill boogie. I don't know what yeah. it was, but he just. He made the most boring walks entertainable somehow. Yeah. Uh, some a special skill he definitely had. Uh, you can bring entertainment to anything. Yeah. I'll just relate a quick story. It's about one of Steve's stories and him how he tells it. So you know he crossed the uh, Atlantic uh, from England in February um, through the Caribbean chain. Uh, uh, through the Panama Canal, up Central America, Mexico, and to LA on a on a 60-foot sailboat. And so I wanted him to relate that story to Cade. 
Um, so I think we were here at Christmas time or something. So Steve and Kate sat down over the dining room table and we were in the living room making puzzles or whatever. And, and, uh, it was getting later and two hours later, they had, he, he hadn't even got to the point of the story where they got to England. <laughs> I expected the whole story to be done. They hadn't even got to the boat yet. <laughs> so it was a two-hour journey for Kate. It's like, what is this guy talking about? Yeah, there was no boating in it whatsoever. Uh, uh, that's his story style. Uh, okay, we'll hand it. Who's next? Can I hear us? I'll jump in. Norm will tell some stories. <clears throat> not sure really where to start, but I met Steve probably about 1984, shortly after an accident broke his leg. We didn't know each other from Diddley. You know, I knew Mike, knew some uh, Mark Anzavino, uh, Jay Real, and some other friends that knew Steve, but Steve had been in Chico. Um, and he, uh, we met in the Belly Up Tavern watching Rank and File in there. I think there was about 10 people in that uh, bar that day watching them. <clears throat> and we hit it off uh, musically. Find out we both played, you know, well, at the time, as Mike, Mike can attest, we like to think we knew what we were doing on the guitar, but we really, you know, we were just hacks. And... Uh, one of the biggest things that people would tell us all the time, because he and I would just start playing. We took our guitars everywhere. We took them camping. We took them to the lake. And we, where we were going, we had those things. And people would just constantly say, can you guys just play one song all the way through? <laughs> and we were like, man, dude, we don't even know the words to that song. We just know some riffs and parts of it and uh that went on and on um our friend jay real was probably one of the biggest uh instigators of that when we would go out on houseboat trips to lake havasu jay would just was unmerciful to us about just play one song we'd go get guitars and everyone would just go oh no and they would run away <laughs> and uh one day, uh, you know, I, I got down to, uh, I don't know, it's somewhere in the office I was working and I decided I'm going to write down the words to like three songs. And, you know, back then it was all like it was tape recorders, right? And tape cassettes and there was no, didn't you have a CD to go back and forth? So or you had your vinyl on listening to it, trying to write down the lyrics to everything. So I finally wrote it all down. I had access to word processor at work and I typed in three songs. Uh, and, and then I put the chords and everything together. Um, <clears throat> and I come back to Steve and I said, we're going to learn these songs. Big River, Folsom Prison Blues, and Long Black Veil. And... He's like, all right. So we had all this stuff and we started practicing the snot out of those songs. And pretty soon we had them down. And those were the first three songs 
that we learned to play all the way through. And it kind of just grew from there. That was, I, I don't know, remember where that was in the eighties, but part of that whole thing was playing. It was going to shows. I mean, my gosh, we went to shows. That's where we met Jim. We met Adrian at shows, uh, the swing dancing, you know, that started early on in the eighties. I went and took some swing dance lessons from a lady named Molly that pretty much taught about anybody that, you know, in San Diego, how to swing dance. And, uh, Mike took the lessons, Dan took the lessons, Steve took the lessons. I mean, we, we all took these lessons and then Steve and I would go out to these shows to see these bands and everybody, everyone was doing it, you know, jitterbug, two-step and swing dance. And we gradually learned more and more. Molly would invite us to go to these shows and Steve would get up there. He'd be talking to the band members and we'd come back, start trying to learn their music. And uh, that went on and on for many years. I got a, a, a little room in my garage that he nicknamed the gig room because that's where we practiced to all hours of the night. We'd go out to shows, come back home, go in that, in that gig room, and we'd just start making noise. We was like, it was always one of those things where like, if we can't play good, we're going to play loud. And uh, we just had a blast. And then we'd get tired. We'd go in the house one, two in the morning, make pancakes and eat and then just pass out. And then we might do two, three, four shows a week going out to see all these different bands and just having a great time. So the music, listening to it, dancing to it, playing it was just a blast for us and trying to learn the songs. Eric, you bring up the beat farmers you know, I mean, my God, we, we followed the beat farmers around and Steve would just always go up to country dick and just say, Hah! and he'd get some <laughs> grumble back from him. And, and we just had a great time going to all those different shows, the, you know, from the street scenes to all the different bars, you know, Tio Leo's, the Bacchanal, uh, Belly Up Tavern. I mean, it's just fourth and B. Wherever the shows were, we went and, and the music was there and we just see all the same people and all the dancing. It just We had a blast uh, just driving all over the place, whether the show was in L.A. or the show was in uh, San Diego or uh, Orange County, you, you name it, or little festivals all over the place. There was always uh, there was always something going on and. Uh, Eventually, we kind of came up with uh, a point where we were like, man, we need a name for our band, even though we don't play anywhere. But eventually, we came up, you know, we were playing Johnny Cash. We liked the Hank Williams, the old Western swing stuff and Rockabilly and the Stray Cats. And eventually, Cash Only was born. Um, Seems like... Mike and me and Steve and maybe Dan Klein and I'm not sure else we're driving around in a car and we're trying to figure out a band name, but that, that name came up. And and as soon as it came out, we're like, that's it. Cash only. There's only two of us right now, but there's a lot of honorary members. Dave King played. He's we'd go over to Dave King's house 
and he had drums and guitar amps and just all kinds of stuff. We'd just show up and we'd just start playing and Dave would put up with us um, and helping us hone the songs and he'd tell us, hey, play it again, play it again. And uh, eventually we met Jim at some shows and we started playing with Jim and Jim would do the same thing. Play it again. We'd play this. Jim would make us play the same song like 10 times in a row. And Steve and I were like, man, we only play a song once and then we move on. You know, we think that's good enough. And uh, just absolute uh, best times was, you know, hanging out, drinking beer, playing music, going to shows, playing with all the different people we got to play with over the years. Um you know, I couldn't, he and I probably were about as high as we could get on uh, the night that we played a, a gig at 25, uh, 25E, a little coffee shop that Red Sand had, and uh, we opened up for Cowboy Nation. And uh, we were so nervous, we didn't know which way to turn, but uh, we had a couple of hired guns with us that helped hold it all together. We had a great time uh, playing uh, playing that show, playing some parties at Molly's, playing some parties at, at Mike Lafferty's and a few other places around. It was just, you know, he and I really, uh, really bonded over the music, the dancing and the shows. That was for us. That was just, you know, no matter what was going on, it, we felt like we could call each other and, and always go and uh, uh, have a great time. You could always get the other guy to go. So it's uh, I could go on and on, but that's probably that's probably enough at this point. I, you know, I miss it. You know, I got my guitar back here to start playing stuff, and certain songs come on, man, and they just go, "Oh yeah, we would play this song." And here's a little note: Steve always had to be on my right because he had to look at my left hand to make sure he was always in the right spot because he would get lost on some of the songs. <laughs> And so he's like, we would start setting up. He goes, no, no, I got to be over here so I can see what you're doing. I'm like, well, what if I'm doing it wrong? Then you're going to be doing it wrong. And a lot of times that's what was happening. I mean, we were both playing it wrong. <laughs> so anyways, I'll, I, I'll pass the mic on. And by the way, Brawley, you guys were awesome. Sounded great. Thank you. Hey, Norm. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a, a story about... You you were playing, and at the end of your sets, you you came up with a riff from uh, Cowboy Nation that would end your set, and then rank one, and file. You want to tell that story? <laughs> yeah, you know it's, it's like rank and file has a song called Sundown, um, and uh, we would uh, we'd, we'd start messing with that song and i'm not even sure if steve knew at the time but that song about johnny cash and uh but the song uh so i'll see if i can play here we would end every night with that and that was usually after about 15 minutes of playing bo diddley you know um <laughs> just turning up the amps about as high as we could but yeah um sundown that little riff um we always ended it and that was that was the end of the night and we'd call it we might play that like four or five times until we could get it till we were uh satisfied we had had enough playing for the night or 
as it happened one night about two in the morning, the garage door went up and there was the sheriff standing out there telling us to, uh, it's a little loud. <laughs> we were like, Steve's like, were we being loud? And the lady, it was a lady cop. She was like, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> oh. That's great. That's awesome, Norm. Hey, Eli is going to play from his multi-million dollar studio, Eli. Try not to show up the Brawley crew in their expensive studio. Oh, stop. <laughs> they sounded so good. That's awesome. Um, Steve, man, I miss him. Uh, I was so bummed when he started not feeling good and didn't make it last year to come because uh, I had so much fun with him the year before that. And the simplest uh, example of showing my, like, admiration for him as, like, a role model, not only cousin, um, friend, and human being, was just when he first told me that he had super nasty prostate cancer and he had had a warning about it and was too busy having fun, which I'm trying to take that as like the most important thing that I learned from Steve was to definitely don't, don't go in for like everything and anything and be over obsessed with Western medicine. But if your doctor says you got something going on and uh, you might want to come check it out or be checked out again in the near future to follow through with that. And then hearing him express that his simple mistake of getting rechecked out in six months or nine months, I don't remember exactly what it was. And then him taking an extra six months or a year to get checked out and that it was too late and now he was gonna pass on in four years is what they said and he just moves right on to so i'm gonna be touring around traveling and doing all the rad things even more than before and the i we kept our conversations pretty like light about the 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 death topic and it's just like blows my mind and I'm just so inspired with his ability to at least show me and probably you guys too to seize the day and be in the moment and I'm sure that some of you were with him with some of his down times or negative times, but I like still haven't heard about any of it. And just like when I was there in San Diego, uh, when he passed and he was barely moving and barely weighed enough, he was just barely open his eyes. I remember talking to him and holding his hand and he'd squeeze my hand once in a while and he'd open his eyes like this. And one time I'd been traveling with my band for about uh, probably six years when I moved to San Diego and that's when our friendship really developed. And we were talking about guitar picks 
and I was into these specific guitar picks for playing reggae and metal riffs. So I needed these specific picks, but my problem was dropping them. And we were drinking beer. Um, I think we were at uh, Craig's house. Is that the one on, on the beach on the cliffs? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and he's like, oh, try this pick. And he gave me a pick that was a specific weight. What is it? There's two. It's the 73 millimeter. And there are these super generic gray picks. And he's like, these are my favorite picks. I've tried all the picks. And I swear these are the best ones for what you're telling me. It'll get you the attack you want, the, the delicate that you need. And it has just enough little texture from the writing on it that you won't drop it as much, even if you're all sweaty and somebody spills their beer on you while you're playing. <laughs> and so I switched to these picks. And when we were, I was in San Diego last, uh, when, when he was passing, I talked to him about it and I was like, Oh my gosh. And I had forgot until I was in San Diego and I grabbed one of his guitars and one of the, my picks was on his guitar. And I was like, I don't think I played that guitar yet. Cause I was like tuning his guitars kind of one at a time. And he totally just looks at me and I was like, I, you are the one that turned me on to these picks. And he, and he's like, hold kind of there. I don't remember if I was holding his hand at the time or not, but you know, he's not talking. He's not opening his eyes. He's not getting up and asking for a beer. He's laying there on his deathbed. And he totally just like looks at me and he, and he, and he gave me a nod. He's like, Arr. and I was like, oh, I knew he's, he's, he's totally listening to everything. And I think it was you, Heidi, that informed me that hearing is like, the last thing to go. And that really reminded me just that he's was totally there. And, uh, when I was really little, I remember going to your guys's house, the Morris house that I thought was like 10 acres because you guys had the horses down in the Valley and big, like, orange trees and lemon trees and huge yard and the swimming pool with the slide. I remember, I think I might've got a concussion doing front flips into that swimming pool when I was really little, but, uh, I never got to see Steve. I saw Chris once in a while. Chris and Heidi always came and visited us in Oregon and took me and my brother out into the woods to do fun stuff. But I never got to see Steve until I was an adult and moved to San Diego because he was always out being 20, 25, whatever. Um, Streaking the mall, uh, partying with his his school friends, not the little seven-year-old cousin. But we had our own relationship because I spent most of my time in his room because he wasn't there. And those were some of my first motivations because I thought he was so cool to ride boards, um, ride bikes, and play guitars. And I I didn't really realize that until I was – 28 or something when I moved to San Diego and really started hanging out with him all the time. I was like, holy shit. Like, I think you were like my first inspiration to do board sports, ride bikes and play guitars. Um, and it was just such a pleasure to be able to become really good friends with a cousin who was, I think 17 years older than me as a, you know, late twenties and through my thirties and into my forties and being there with him when he passed and me with all you guys, like really <clears throat> gave me a kick in the ass after COVID and 
and Ashley and I's fourth child and our level of stress and just incessant circus in our house to remember to do our best to take it easy and have fun and treat people with that positive friends, our family, family is family. And the here and now is super important to seize and do your best to inject positive energy into it as much as you possibly can, because uh, it doesn't last forever. Our bodies, you know, only have a certain amount of time in this on this planet. And uh, I had been writing a song that I started writing uh, when uh, my wife Ashley and I started getting pretty serious. And it's kind of kind of complicated for me, and I have a hard time remembering the words. And I was just playing through some stuff and songs when I was in San Diego. And when I played this the first time, I think I was alone outside or something. I was like, holy shit, this song is like Steve's song. So it's like my wife's song, but it's also like Steve's songs. And I've thought through most of my other songs and, there's a few that I feel like really could be tributes or dedications to Steve's unique, super awesome greatness uh, and play hard, ride on glory. But um, I would love to play this song for you guys. If you guys are up for it on my uh, refurbished iPhone microphone i've got a bunch of expensive stuff back here but i haven't hooked it up since the fourth child was born <laughs> but i'm going to soon <laughs> i think black sabbath wants their gear back dude oh you like my marshall full stack do you see it back there <laughs> all right let's hear it eli okay and i gotta say i love you chris um and Heidi, all you guys, but I got some of my best words of wisdom from from Uncle Bill also, and I'll never forget. Work smarter, <laughs> not harder, while he's, like, cracking another beer and, like, <laughs> and Aunt Lee, I think I have probably drank the most and sang the most the latest well, top 10 with her when she was in her late 70s. And, uh, get to playing. <laughs> hey, you're not my manager. You're my boss. I want to talk. I want everybody to unmute and talk. I want to hold hands and sing. All right. I'll just, uh, play this song here. Hopefully, I don't fuck it up too bad. Um, I never played it as good as I did when. I was right there with Steve. Okay, see, I volunteered and I wasn't um, sure what I was going to say. So now I'm just going to um, kind of talk. And um, since we're doing this all about music, about Cowboy and his music, um, I'll share a little bit of my journey of Cowboy with his music. It's obviously not as long as um, some of the ones we've already heard. Uh, it only started, well, I've been hearing Cowboys music all my life. 
Um, everyone's been singing to me Silver Wings and um, every other song that he played on guitar that he knew how to play. And every, his guitar was with him everywhere. It was, he brought anywhere he was going. It was food, clothes, guitar. Um, we have guitars down in the Caribbean house. We had guitars up in Tahoe at Christmas. We had guitars in Joshua Tree camping. We had guitars at our house. Whenever he would come up and stay with us, it was just always in the car. He would put it in the car and drive up and have his guitar. So even if it was like a day thing or a trip, just like it was always on him. Um, and so I love that. I love that music was, um, I love live music and I love that we got to just kind of hear live music a lot of, um, a lot of, at a lot of family events. Um, and sometimes it was just Steve playing in the corner by himself and everyone's cooking dinner and yeah, cleaning up after Christmas and Steve's on the couch for three hours, just playing, playing guitar, just being the soundtrack. Um, Steve got, I have my guitar here. It's in my office. Um, and I, I'm not going to play anything because I am very bad and have not practiced in a long time. Um, but Steve got that guitar for me in, for my birthday when I was, um, I think it was two years ago. I was 25 or I might've, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think, I think, he, I think it was two years ago, so it must have been 2021, I think it was in the, during the pandemic. And um, I had, Steve was not very good with gifts. Um, like we got a lot of money growing up, we got a lot of cards and money. <laughs> and that's kind of a lot of gift cards to REI, um, a lot of reusable water bottles. And that was like what Steve would get us for gifts. And which was great. Who, what kid doesn't want money and what kid doesn't want a, a um, REI gift card? Um, and I think also I was um, uh, I was his niece. I think it was a lot easier probably to shop for Cade, who he could hand clothing down and sports gear down. And, you know, and I think Steve maybe had a little, a little trouble figuring out what to get me. And I called him, before, I think it was before my birthday, and I was... Um, like, I think I, it was one of my bucket list things for the pandemic was, I think I want to try to play acoustic guitar. I want to like, try to learn. I, we're sitting in our houses, um, not doing much. And I want to be able, and my goal, my whole goal was, I want to be able to, um, I just want to sing, uh, at, around a campfire with friends like Steve did. I loved singing around the campfire and I loved how whenever we went camping, other people would always comment on Steve's playing. Every, people would say it was good. People would walk by, people would cheer, people would sing along, people would like, you know, and it just felt like we were the coolest campers in the whole area. And that felt really good. We were, we were just the best. Um, uh, and so that was my goal. And I just was talking to, um, on 
the phone with Steve one day about it. And I was kind of like, yeah, I think I'm going to try this. I, I kind of want to learn how to play guitar. And, um, he called me a few days later and he was, he stopped by my apartment in North Hollywood and it was him and Boone and he had a brand new guitar with a, um, the strap that he had picked out for me. And he had done his research, this flower strap that he had picked mm-hmm. and, um, and a stand. This is an old one of his stands. It wasn't wrapped or anything. It came just like this <laughs> out of his car. And he was so, I, he was so excited. And it was, I like, I almost cried. I was so excited. And he had done all this research and was telling me about the guitar and saying, that I, I asked all my friends and I went to the guitar store. I don't know. <laughs> And, and I, I would play them all. And this one's the best. And this was the best beginner guitar. And it's like, I think it might, I think it's a full size, but it's like slightly smaller and I'm a very small person. So it worked out. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember really the details of it, but he was asking around and he got me this guitar and it's, um, yeah, I think it's the most important thing I own. Wow. And he's, he's never. You got your priorities straight. Yeah. That's awesome, Megan. That's awesome. And I really need to keep playing. <laughs> I'm not consistent. I take lessons and then I drop them and then I take lessons somewhere else and then I drop them. But um, yeah, one of my, one of my resolutions for this year is to, is to get better, but I did. I, um, excuse me. I okay, Megan, because Cowboy worked on it for never forty years. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, and so that that gives me hope. So maybe I'll be back. Um, but I did, I did take it and play around. I did take it Fourth of July weekend last year and played around a campfire with my friends, and it was great. It was so fun, and I was so bad, but like nobody cared because they didn't know any better. There were people there actually who did know better and like played guitar and it was, they didn't, they were like, this is so fun. Um, and that, that was really great. And I told Steve about that. And he said, you know, he said hi to my friends who were there, who he knew he, Haley was there and, uh, he, she had taken videos of me and we, I sent them all to him. Um, and I learned, I learned silver wings and I sent the video of it. And I was, I, it was a video of me and my instructor playing. Um, so we were playing together and, and playing along with, with the, with the, with the recording of it, just like off Spotify. And um, I just sent it and I said, like, well, I, I can't, I learned Silver Wings for you. And he, he called me back and left me a voicemail that I still have. And he just, um, he just said that, that darn, uh, something like, um, that was, he just said it made him tear up. Yeah. And that was a lot for me. Um, I knew like every time he was so, um, I kept sending, we, we would send videos back and forth and he would 
send me like just like finger exercises to do. And he was really, really excited that I had had picked up a guitar. And I think like, I just want to make him proud and keep practicing because he, he, I think we connected in a way in the last two years over music that we haven't before. And he was just so happy. He was just so happy whenever I brought out the guitar and he was always like, are you bringing your guitar? Are we going to Christmas? Are you bringing your guitar? And then when I moved to New York, he was, he said, are you bringing your guitar? And I was like, no, I'm not flying <laughs> back and forth with my guitar. Um, and that's, that's the end of my story. <laughs> Do you have that guitar? <laughs> yeah, it's this one. I showed it. I didn't you missed see that it. part. Do you want to see it? This Is it in tune? No, no, it's not. <laughs> Maybe uh, you could tune it real quick hey, and play the Megan, chorus. Just, just so you know, Steve's guitar was never in tune either. Yeah. I know. And this I was saying was the um, the strap that he had picked out. So did you ever watch him tune a guitar and then he would he'd have to rub his nose? You ever see that? No. no. Little known story that we'd be tuning guitars. Steve's nose hairs would hit resonance on a certain frequency, and he'd have to stop doing whatever he was doing and rub his nose. And I'm like, "What are you doing?" It's like, "Oh man, it just it got me." It happened every time we played, almost. You know, <laughs> All right, Eli, are you ready to take over? <laughs> You're still muted, Eli. You're muted in both places. I don't know what to tell you. Well, that's my best way. Uh, <laughs> now you now. You're good. Should I? Um, okay. Well, I was going to, I mean, I, I, guess, I don't know. I'm kinda, I feel like. I feel like uh, pressuring you to tune your guitar and sing and cry for us. I'm thinking about crying while I sing. Is that baby Steve over there riding horse? What's that? Is that baby Steve riding a horse? Is that baby Steve riding a horse? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh -oh. Hear it? Okay. The song is for Steve. I feel like he's listening.
That's awesome, Eli. Thanks, man. I know that song meant a lot to Steve. He heard you. He knew what was going on. Hey, guys, I'm passing it back over to Taylor and the studio crew. Um, anyone else wants to speak, we'll just do that and then wrap things up. That's perfect. Yeah, thank you guys all so much. Um, can they hear me? Okay. No worries. Eli. Eli. Thanks, man. I know that's e so a lot to see. That was so beautiful, Eli. Eli. Thanks, Eli. Eli. Thank you, Eli. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Can you guys hear us? Oh, it's going to be delayed. Awesome. So thank you guys so much. That was just so wonderful. Eli, that song was so beautiful. Thank you tremendously for playing that. And we have a little bit more music for for everyone and a little bit more stories. And then um, this has just been such a special time. Thank you all so much for being here and Taylor for putting this all together. Yeah. So, of course. You guys want to come up and sing a couple of tunes? So, we got uh, Matt Ricketts and Katie Martin, good friends of Cowboys. Yeah, super honored to be here. Um, Man, I, I met Cowboy through Craig, um, and uh, I'd just come down here for years on surf trips, and I just kind of kept running into the guy. We kept drinking beer together and having good times, and I I can't, I've tried to explain to Katie why I was so touched by him. I don't know. He's just a hell of a guy, but now I'm getting all choked up, so I'll start singing instead. <laughs> all right, let's do that. Um, this, uh... We, we would talk about um, music a lot, and uh, we talked about Neil Young, um, and I put together this cover with Katie of Heart of Gold, and I thought he would really dig it, but I never got to show it to him, which kind of sucks, so I uh, thought we'd play it tonight. Oh, the next song we're going to play. The I'm next song sure he's, for him yeah, he loved, him. yeah. Oh. But, um, all right.
Um, so this, uh, this next one, uh, I'm sure you guys being into country know about Towns Van Zant, and, uh, I was surprised Cowboy knew so much about him cause, um, I just don't run into very many people that know anything about him, especially but, uh, yeah, especially <laughs> in California. Um, anyway though, this was, uh, this was always a favorite of mine and I think Cowboy, uh, Cowboy dug it. So here we go. So long 
out of kindness, I suppose. Lefty, he can't sing the blues all night long like he used to. Cuss the poncho bit down south and it up in Lefty's mouth. Day they laid poor poncho low, Lefty split for Ohio. He got the bread to go Ain't nobody knows All the feather they say Could have had him any day Only let him go away Out of kindness I suppose All the feather they say could have had him any day. Only let him slip away. Out of kindness, I suppose. Oh, it's to how Pancho fell. Left his living in cheap motels. Desert's quiet and Cleveland's cold So the story ends with tone Pancho needs your prayers, it's true Save a few for Lefty too Only did what he had to do Now he's growing old That was awesome. Thank you, Matt and Katie. Oh, that was awesome. He would yeah. I know he loved that song. Oh. Listened to it many times. Um, well, thanks to everyone, the whole crew. Uh, we're gonna get ready to wrap things up. Um, I guess on the music theme, uh, I've been playing drums for most of my life and um, playing in punk and metal bands. I uh, never thought that I'd be playing with my boss, country music, in a shack. He wasn't uh, your boss. <laughs> mentor. Your partner. Uh, mentor. mentor, yeah. But um, those were some of the funnest times, just playing music with him and Doug and Dan. Um, he really opened opened up my music world to a whole new side of country that and I never really really paid much attention to. I always thought it was uh I don't know, I guess the newer country of today. So mm. it's nice to hear it. the pop country. Pop it's garbage. It so garbage. thank you. <laughs> um, Agreed. <laughs> so, you know Cowboy's done so many things for my life and super honored to have been his friend and play music with him. So um 
Anyways, we we have uh, his lovely wife in the studio with us. <laughs> if um, if we could, if we could just hear a quick story on how you guys met, we would love that. Oh, he was a sweet pie. I was scandalous. I was dating his roommate <laughs> at the time, and it was Fourth of July, and I had a group of people playing beach volleyball in Del Mar that we're going to meet at like just uh, south of Dog Beach, so over the river mouth. And his roommate said, oh, well, my my roommate and I want to come down and play volleyball. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll be setting up down there. And I didn't know who to look for. I, I just was like, oh, I don't, I don't see him here. And my friends and I were setting up a net and Steve came running up and he had just had shoulder surgery. So he had this broken flapping wing slap on the side of him <laughs> and big baggy neon green, like volley shorts and swim trunks didn't have the elastic, but volley shorts did. So he looked like a total doofus and he had these bright neon green sunglasses. And he came up to me and said, excuse me, ma'am. Do you know the way to SeaWorld? <laughs> just like caught me off guard and I did one of those like what is this guy? What's he doing? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? And he was really like intent and kind of focusing on me, <laughs> waiting for me to answer. And I said, well, the freeway's right over there. And you just have to take a hard right going south. And he goes, ah, don't worry. He's in surfing in the water. Yeah, just anyway. But his story was different in that uh, our friend Jim, who worked for Red Sand and owned 25 East E, the coffee shop that Norm talked about, um, he saw me in there putting flowers in the coffee shop. And I always did a big weekly display on the corner and the on the counter. And uh, he said he was just down and out. He was so sad. And he was eating his cinnamon toast by himself and he said why can't I have a girl like that <laughs> so we have these two very different stories <laughs> but um, I married a character and he showed me how to laugh at myself and I, I miss him very much and I'm honored yes. to hear all this musical history to him and tributes and um, thank you guys barn time <laughs> thank you yeah it's been fabulous thank you Thank you, Adrian, but for I got you. I, I have a son I never knew. I have a tailor. <laughs> Other than that, I have a dog and a cat, so it's nice to have a, another family member. I'm yeah. glad to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, Steve, obviously, Cowboy Steve touched so many people's lives, and it's been an honor for me to listen to all this. And you know, I lost my dad in 2013, so you know a lot coming up for me, too, and it's... Um, just so beautiful to celebrate someone's life, especially someone so amazing as Steve. And, you know, when I, I first saw his signs around town and then I saw your name next to it too, I'm like, who is this guy? Like, this is a legend. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an office here and right here and now it's over there. And, um, yeah, all, all you people are just such amazing people and music is really what bonds all, us all and brings us all together and it sounds like you know, Steve had such a passion for that and just a ability to bring joy and happiness to people's lives. And it's really what it's all about, right? Yeah. He was passionate about 
pretty much everything he did. Everything he which did. Is, yeah. Which is inspiring. Fun first. And fun a lot first. of things. Fun he did first. a lot of things, too. Fun Great first, style. friends first, and just cross-pollinating everybody he knew. He wanted this giant community of friends. He did it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he he, won. <laughs> he um, won. Well, don't worry. This is just part one of a 12-part series. So um, <laughs> Join us next week. There will be more to come. But um, I figure the best way to send it off is with um, a song that Cowboy sang and re- recorded live in a winery. up In, in Kelowna, uh, Canada. Kelowna, Canada. British Columbia. So if we can roll that, he'll send us off. Thank you guys for tuning in. We had a great time. Thank you, Barn Time. Yeah, thanks to Andrew and Ryan. Andrew and Ryan for making all this happen. Cheers to Cowboy. Cowboy Strong. Cheers, Cowboy. Cowboy Strong. Cowboy Strong. Clinky. Walking home and nowhere.